0: Well, welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of HR Tech Chat. And with us today, we have Dr. Chris Mullen, who is Executive Director of the Workforce Institute at UKG. Welcome, Chris.
1: Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Uh, Honestly, I'm super interested in speaking with you today. We, We had a conversation, I think it was last week. Around some of the things that you folks are looking into there at the Workforce Institute, and um, and it was kind of interesting. There was a sort of an inadvertent sort of uh, alignment with uh, some of the things we're looking at at 360 Insights, and um, so w- we figured, hey, let's let's uh, let's continue this conversation <laughs> for the public domain for everyone else to to hear. <laughs> um, we were talking about. Um, a few things. So I just want to make sure that I characterize this correctly. Um, one of these things is that employee feeling. So H- HCM, human capital management, the practice of it, the technology for it. You know, we all know, you know, there's sort of the nuts and bolts of HCM, mm-hmm. making sure payroll is processed on time, getting schedules, um, just, you know, making sure that get, getting a system that can create a schedule, you know, with this little human. Um, you know, manual labor as possible, you know, these sorts of things. Uh, but then there's, there's employee, f- there are employee feelings and how mm-hmm. they play into that and how they play into other sort of higher level things and how that is a, a major focus or should be yeah. of HCM and how the two don't have to be at odds with each other. Um, maybe that's a good way to, good place to start. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, kind of.
1: You're right. I, I kind of equate the the HCM nuts and bolts and this employee feeling slash sentiment to the a to the age old discussion from an HR perspective of, you know, is HR should HR be tactical or should it be strategic? Yeah. It's like this versus that shouldn't be there. It's both. It's and like HR should be tactical. HR should be strategic. It's a both and both have an interplay. I do believe that you know when we talk about HR practitioners um, or HR leaders that there are many of us, some of us can, can go between the two. Yeah. And there are also some people that should be in one or the other bucket. They're really good at the tactical. And then there are other people that are really good at the strategic. Yeah. And so I think a similar thing comes about when you start to talk about HCM as a nuts and bolts or this employee sentiment, like where does it fit? we definitely need the nuts and bolts. We need people to mm-hmm. track time, to get paid, right? Without that, you can't, I don't think you can do the rest. So mm-hmm. it's almost like the foundation. If you have your HCM nuts and bolts uh, correct and, and humming along, then you can really start to work on your employees' feelings, the sentiment. And that's like, almost, to me, it's like the icing on the cake,
0: mm-hmm. as
1: you might say, um, this idea or the thoughts that you can start to listen to your employees. I think a lot of times we survey employees, and this is, I think, what you and I were talking about last week. You can survey them. And then if you don't do anything about it, then your employees are like, I'm not filling that out again. Like, yeah, I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't, they didn't do anything. And so
0: it really leaves them with a bad taste in their mouth. That's such a great point, right there. You know, if you're gonna, if you're going to do an employee engagement survey or employee employee sentiment survey, a pulse survey, whatever, maybe pulse surveys. I mean, there's a little bit more, you know, I think rigor to that because Mm -hmm. you're you're doing them. There's always sort of an intrinsic, we're going to keep doing these kind of thing there. But with the other two, yeah, if you just leave it, if you send it out there and just leave it hanging, you know, just, just don't do it at all. Right. Um, It's almost better. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things that you said there that were super um, intriguing to me. One is this idea that, you know, that, HCM can be both, and 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 I just just to give uh, listeners bring them up to speed where where there's some real interesting alignment here. You talked about strategic and tactical HCM. Um, what we call it 360 Insights is abstract and concrete HCM. You know, mm-hmm. concrete is you know this is the stuff that's, and I think it equates to the tactical, at least a lot of it. This idea that this is the stuff that uh that. That the accountants readily understand it's super easy to to translate it to a line item in the general ledger you know it's, it's a financially quantifiable thing and so and that and you know a lot of businesses you know when they don't know what to do as a business as an organization they fall back on the numbers you know the the, the you know the the balance sheet you know there can be that fixation there but but also the abstract being all these things having to do with employee, with employee sentiment, the things that contribute to employer culture being a good one or bad one, all these kinds of things and how that, that really needs to be a focus as well on, uh, of HCM. What are your thoughts on, so I have some thoughts uh, around this, the following, but what are your thoughts around why uh, HCM has been so tactical or concrete or, or more so that than then the other thing that's just, it's there. It's kind of the reason why people went into HR in the first place. Why has that been, that focus kind of struggled to gain traction just across organizations? In general? Yeah, I think just because
1: of the necessity of it, of the concrete, the tactical, the necessity, we have whole functions built around it. Mm-hmm. Um, payroll being a really good example of that. Although I do think payroll needs to be more strategic or can be. If, yeah. if not already, and, and it goes to maybe your example before of when you're doing surveys like employee engagement, that's, that's what we hear a lot about. It's a term that's used so much right now. And I've been giving whole talks on how employee engagement is the result of a good employee experience. People forget about the employee experience. I have a whole talk just on that alone to get people off the engagement piece because you you do the survey you look at the engagements out oh, it didn't change again or change slightly but you don't know why maybe not but if you provide people with a great employee experience along the employee journey and 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 i and i challenge uh participants to map out their journey i give them a good roadmap. map but it's something as simple as uh clocking in and out that's an experience if i'm at on the manufacturing floor And I'm coming to clock in and I have to wait in line for 20 or 30 minutes, right? Probably not that long. I'm exaggerating, but you get my drift, even five minutes. That's time I'm not getting paid for. And now with the pandemic, that's time that I'm interacting with people. And so safety could be an issue, but that's an experience we need to increase and make it more positive because there's always, there's always an experience. The question is, is it positive or negative to the employee? And the more positive ones we have the better
0: mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting what you said around employee experience it, it's it, there's there's always an employee experience and that that's that to me you know within sort of the, the lexicon that we've that we're kind of developing in real time right now in this conversation, it's almost as if employee experiences is a real sort of connective tissue between the abstract and the concrete or the mm-hmm. tactical and strategic in HCM. And, and, and this goes to something that you know occurred, occurred to me as I was looking at concrete versus abstract HCM earlier this year, and we finally uh, published our wrap-up report around that. that that it's not it's not it shouldn't be concrete versus abstract hcm it's 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 and it's both right and they're they're and and furthermore they're happening at the same time all the time within the same thing so even you know even the 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 act of being of being paid on time right if you're paid on time correctly um then you know that's it's this is an interesting one because it's, it's, you just expect that it's default, yeah. right? You don't, you don't, you don't say, you don't send an email to your, to your manager or the payroll department say, Hey, thanks for paying me on time and correctly. Right. It's just like the the power company you say, Hey, the electricity was on all day. That's great. Um, but when yeah. it goes out, right. When the electricity goes out or if you're paid, you know, incorrectly or not paid on time, God forbid, which happens sometimes, especially small companies. Right. Um, that's, that is, is immediately an an acute, very, very an acute, and intense uh, bad employee experience, right? And that mm-hmm. can have a very deleterious um, effect on on your employer culture and, and your engagement. Uh, so that so that, so even you know, and payroll be you know, if you think about it, just at first blush, or just just sort of superficially, or uh, maybe just in passing, if you think about payroll just in passing. Oh, that's a very tactical, that's, that's, yeah. that's a concrete thing, but, but it's so much more.
1: Yeah, you know, because are your, are do your employees understand their pay, their, you know, their pay stubs? Do they look at their accruals? Do so they know that they have enough vacation? Or do they have to come to you? I mean, I was in a position where I was director of HR at one point, coming on to this new job, this job, and every employee came up to the payroll office to find out their accruals. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a mobile functionality, right? That we couldn't provide that self-service at the time. And, and that's something that I we ended up changing because it was, it was that important to employees. And when you have 2,500 employees that you're supporting, you can't have everyone showing up just asking what their accruals are. Um, yeah. That takes a lot of time and energy. But both sides, the employee and, and the payroll team love the interaction with one another right? They got to see each other and, and get to know one another. That's what we want. But if we can get rid of the, that transactional and let the employee do it, we can spend more time with them doing something else, doing more, um, more strategy, right? More of the abstract and working on that with them. And, and I think you're right in the sense that the employee experience is what ties a lot of it together. And so for those who are listening or watching, I would I would challenge them to develop um, in my talk, we have a whole, like I said, we have a whole roadmap that starts with um, recruitment, a hire, right? And it goes all the way to retire and all the different things in between. And and on every point on the road of the employee journey, we map out, is it a daily interaction? Is it a weekly? Is it a yearly? Is it a one-time? We map it out that far. And then I can even drill down and pick that point on the journey. Um, and, and it goes to, a, it's an interactive, you, you might remember when we were kids, the Choose Your Own Adventure books. I love those books. So, so that's what this presentation is. So I can take from the audience, what, where do you want to go? I click on it, brings me to a whole new slide okay. that says, here are the pain points from the employee's perspective on this point in the journey. Here's actually the pain points from HR or payroll on the journey. And then here's the solutions that you might want to think about and implement um, mm-hmm. to help make it a more positive moment. And, and to drill this home, there's a book, um, the Heath brothers. And I think it's called, uh, moments, that, I think it's called moments That Matter. But mm-hmm. what really drilled it in when I was reading the book, and this was a couple of years ago to develop this talk, was there was this um, hotel out in LA. Mm-hmm. And it was ranked, I think, number one. Um, and it was more of a motel than a hotel. But it was ranked above the, the Ritz-Carlton, like all the major um, hotels. And what, what really got to it was they talked about the furniture was old they talked about the place. It wasn't run down, but it wasn't like gorgeous. But what they did was they created these moments for their, for their visitors that just wowed them enough. They created wow moments so that the visitors would rate them so high. And it was, it was a legitimate rating. Like if you went to the pool, there was a red phone. You could pick up the red phone and you could order, um, uh, frozen otter pops or ices, whatever you want to call them, and they would bring them out on a silver trow- tray with white gloves to your kids. I mean, wow. that's a wow moment. At the time, years yeah. ago, you could rent any DVD from them for free, they would bring it right to your room. Wow. And so, like, these were the experiences they were giving people, and that's what mattered. People didn't really care about the furniture as much as the experience they were getting. And that's what I think we need to be doing to employees. Okay.
0: Email me the name of that motel, because if I'm in that area, I want to stay there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, some, a couple things that, that came up here. So uh, three things I want to get out there. Let's um, see if I can remember the third one as I go through the first two. So the first one is going back to something else you said around, you know, the technology and and in getting things the technology getting that sort of a lot of that tedium out of the way a lot of that time consuming stuff out of the way so people can focus their time on other things um, how much so how much of this uh, uh, getting more strategic with HCM um, how much of it do you think depends on automation whether it be sort of straightforward you know automation which, non-AI related Mm -hmm. automation, because AI, you know, is complex automation, complex automation of variable uh, activities, which I think is the next um, frontier of automation. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the first question. The second is more of an observation around, you know, that motel treating their employees, uh, excuse me, their their customers, putting that Mm -hmm. extra thought into their customers. And yeah, oh, now I remember. The, the third one was more of a two, two B. <laughs> so there's two A yeah. and two B. So the first one is this idea. Okay, employee. So there's this idea that your employer, excuse me, your employees are an employer's customers in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's not exactly the same, but giving them that experience that makes them feel special and appreciated goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah. do you think the differences are there? And then, and then the th- the third part of it is, I thinking I'm thinking back to a conversation I had previously on one of these podcasts, and I don't remember who it was, but we um, but we talked about how employer employer culture isn't about, it's not about you know making sure there's a foosball table in the uh, in the rec room or you know making sure there's pizza and beer or or, or Coca Cola or whatever you know on Friday afternoon. So, to what extent? So so what can employers do? let's Mm -hmm. do this one first. What can employers do to treat their employees more like customers, you know, to give them that memorable, positive experience that's going to be sticky and, uh, and, but that's not, you know, that is is more meaningful, you know, that isn't uh, just sort of, uh, you know, sort of window dressing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I agree that um, employees really need customer centric technology. They're Mm -hmm. looking for the same type of a, a, a technological experience that you and I have when we're customers. Like think of your smartphone and how quickly it is to order when you shop off your phone. Like that easy. That's what they want from their work technology. Anything that's more arduous becomes an issue because then they can't really do their job. And so they, I think that's a really good place for people to start. And, and it kind of goes to your first point of automation Without AI, let's automation is the foundation. Don't AI is, is higher up the ladder of things I think people should be doing, but get the automation right. I, I so I I had mentioned that I had been director of HR. I, I was in, I was a practitioner for 15 years
0: That's really prior good. to come
1: working at, at UKG. So I understand I've been in people's shoes who are out there in the HR space. What I ended up doing, um, uh, the the quick story is is that payroll was tracking um, accruals. And I came in as the director. I said, tell me more. How are you doing this? Well, Chris, man, we, we've got this on technology. I go, great, show me. They pulled up an Excel spreadsheet. This is, this is within the last, you know, I mean, it's not that long ago. And yeah. so um, and so I said, oh, I said, really? Because there was no automation. Like technology now is automation. Yeah. But it gets a little worse. I said, okay, so we're trying to track 22, 2,500 employees. Where are they all on this Excel spreadsheet? Because, oh, no, no, no. This is one Excel spreadsheet per employee. (laughs) I was like, what? 2,500 tabs? Yeah, there no tabs. They just had a a full document, one per employee. And so I said, okay, we have a team of four to five payroll folks. How long is this taking you all to do? And they said, two weeks. I go, okay, two weeks. And like they said, two weeks a month to track everybody. Wow. I was blown away. So the first thing we did with technology was how do we automate our systems to take care of this? Now people start to worry because we were able to automate the whole thing. Well, that's two weeks out of four people. That's two FTEs. Are you going to get rid of us? No, no. We have other important work for you all to do where you can now interact with the employees and provide them a better experience rather than sitting in front of a computer trying to tally up accruals. And so that's the automation piece that I think people still are trying to get out of. The more and more I talk at HR conferences, I know where our technology is, like with AI, machine learning. most There are a lot of companies prior to the pandemic that weren't even there. It was still paper-based. They were still trying to work on the basic automation, which is okay. And that's somewhere I think we need to be but that's also is a part of the experience we want to give our employees. That's self-service where they, because if I'm, you know, Brian, you and I were talking before this, I have four children. If I'm looking for um, a vacation and I'm online trying to find flights on a weekend, I want to know I can get my time off like that. Like that it's available and I can get it because if I have to wait a day or two, those flights may go up. And that to me would sit with four kids, two adults six people, that could be a thousand dollars in a day and I'm Mm -hmm. not a happy customer, but if I can get that approval like that, because Mm -hmm. of automation, because of uh, eventually AI, then I'm a happy camper because I got that approval right away and saved myself some money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It should be in the interest of the uh, airlines to make sure that that uh, those manual processes remain in place. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, so you mentioned, so I wonder how many companies with 2,500 employees still have um, such a sort of, you know, unwieldy, clunky, you know, mm-hmm. technological um, scenario as, you know, an express an Excel spreadsheet for, their, for the payroll. I mean, I'd be interested to, I don't know if anyone can boil the ocean this way, but it'd be interesting to find out what percentage of companies that size are still doing that. I know that there, you know, there are a lot of companies that, any company gets to a certain point in its size right there's an inflection point where you know we've been you know i'm, I'm speaking as the uh, you know the archetypal sort of you know small company person you know well we've been doing this by hand or manually you know this that and the other we're doing it we're doing it with spreadsheets and but you know hey it's starting to take too much time we need to find some sort of a solution and we're just we we need to get the tactical stuff down the concrete HCM down automated as much as possible. They're not even thinking strategically or abstractly about HCM necessarily, or maybe they are, but the, but they, it seems as something that's really far away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in my previous life um, uh, my previous life before my previous life, when I was an analyst elsewhere, we looked at the ROI of, um, well, all sorts of areas of the enterprise, but uh, my area was HCM. We looked at the ROI of uh, many um, HCM technology deployments, um, uh, and and it was a recurring theme. You know, a small company had a super bad situation where maybe they just found something off the shelf or some sort of you know by night sort of. Technology solution and and they were just dealing with this major manual uh, administrative sort of Frankenstein situation and and they'd bring in uh, one suite to handle a lot of it or something to handle you know like the core anyway right mm-hmm. and it was a huge ROI you know it's just major ROI for them you know and but but that it. it but if you think about it from an accountant standpoint, right, it ends there, okay. Productivity gains, right? But mm-hmm. but what do the productivity gains mean, right? And and you mentioned you you started to to hit on it just now, you know. We're, we're not, you know, we had two full time two two FTEs doing this stuff. What are you going to get rid of us? No, we're gonna uh, we're gonna let you do all these other things, right? And so what I struggle with. Um, just in general, and uh, well, excuse me. Let me put it this. Let me put this differently. What what I'm striving um, to communicate, figure out, and uh, uh, to present to the world here is okay. There's that part of it, the productivity gain, and that's the end of the financially quantifiable conversation, right? Or the stuff yeah. that where does this this the upside like the, you know the the wide the wide blue yonder that that's all of a sudden sort of opened up to you how does that fit into the equation in terms of organizational success and when we look at org, when we look at companies and the ones that really truly succeed and you know uh, prevail in the marketplace
1: yeah i think it i think it can be easily equated to the same thing as culture it's something that's not as quantifiable as as people would like but it has a huge impact on the bottom line, productivity. Taking care of your employees has a huge impact. Um, and, and I think we were, we were getting there with, uh, I think, your third question about, um, I can't remember what it was, but I have my notes here about, I know my answer was, about, it was about like, my answer would be is like the easiest way to do that is about your culture and this not so quantifiable is, yeah. is managers are the linchpin for it all whether it's your culture, whether it's how do we go from the concrete to the abstract, because they're the communication tool um, or the, the conduit um, between leadership and employees. At, at the Workforce Institute, we never want to forget our frontline employees. Um, we spend quite a bit of time uh, thinking about how does everything impact them. Like We spend a lot of time over the, during the pandemic thinking about, Everyone else is talking about remote work. Well, uh, you know, a lot of frontline employees can't work from home. So what does that mean for them? How do we give them more flexibility, safety, things like that? But this idea of managers came about, um, typically they get their job because they were really good at making widgets or whatever their role was as an individual contributor. And so when they become a manager, we think as an organization, the easiest thing to do is let them manage. Maybe we give them some manager training and that'll work. It doesn't always work that way. When people go through training, and I've seen this because I, I used to do um, employee development and training as part of one of my roles, um, they cognitively get it when they're going through the training. They're like, oh, I get this. This manager thing, I creating relationships, building trust. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, but then to put it into practice is a totally different ballgame. It's a totally different skill set. And we're not providing our managers with coaching or follow-up to how do you apply what you've learned? Um, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of colleges are having this issue. Higher education is having this issue too, is, you know, businesses are like, give me the skills I need to do the work. Yeah. And, you know, universities are giving other people some of the skills, but also a lot of, you know, courses and theory and, and, and people are struggling to apply it. And that's the same thing with managers. So as an organization, we need to be able to help our managers uh, deploy, it's a skill set, and how do we coach them to do, be a manager? Trust is not something you can see, but yeah. Steve Covey talks about if you can, if you increase trust, then you decrease cost, and you increase speed, right? And so it ha- it does have a factor on the organization, and managers are a key role in that. In in,
0: in that. Yeah, you know what. You're bringing up so so one thing I want I want to hit on because um, I'm looking at the time and I want to make sure we touch on this bef- before we run out of time is is you mentioned the pandemic and and its effect on um, just uh, um, employee I guess we we'll call it employee experience but but going to what you said around managers and, and leaders leadership in the organization we you know we when I say we I mean the royal we you know the yeah. the the industry the profession we talk about we talk about employer culture and, and, you know, making sure that, uh, that, you know, that just focusing on these higher level things, investing in your people and, and, um, you know, it's not just about the, the numbers, um, and that's all well and good, but, but, but the conversation can stop there sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but when you really want to get into the weeds and really get into, you know, like the putting in the elbow grease or whatever, right. That's, That's a managerial discussion. This discussion about okay, how are we equipping our managers to be leaders? How are we identifying? are we identifying the right people to be managers? You know, there are some people with intrinsic sort of innate traits that are better, more, you know, make them better managers sort of innately than others. Although a lot of it can be learned, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So what are we doing in organizations? So, so, you know, I love that you brought that up, you know, that that's so important. We can't sort of forget about that. But but let's talk about the pandemic for just a minute, right? Because the employee experience, you know, i I call it a you know 2020 was a was a wormhole, right? And yeah. I'm not even I'm not even a, a Star Trek nerd, but I know what a wormhole is for right. You know, to late 2019, nobody in their right mind thought that we'd be this close this close to the future of work or this much closer to the future of work by 2021. Uh, right as we are, you know, yeah. it's like we went through a wormhole. So what do you think is that going to be the um what are the, going to be the lasting effects of the pandemic on um, sort of the appreciation for the employee experience? You think we're going to sort of revert back to our bad, our old ways, or do you think we're 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 sort of out of the woods for good? Or uh, yeah, what's going I, on? Here?
1: I really struggle with this one because I, I I am afraid that it's a pendulum, and I'm afraid during the pandemic we changed so quickly and swung one way where we were very worried about our employees keeping our businesses afloat. Um, I am worried that now things are opening back up that we're gonna swing all the way back and it's gonna be you know, butts in seats and just reverting back. What, What I think folks should be learning from the pandemic and businesses is not that just change is inevitable, but how do we process change? Like for instance, at the start of the pandemic, people like ramped up their technology because they had to. You had public sector where folks were working at a desktop, now they all need laptops. Um, us who are knowledge workers and could work from home, we needed video conferencing. So everyone got video conferencing chats, you know, Microsoft, whatever it is, everyone got it. But what we've, what we've failed to do is reevaluate where we are. I mean, now there's studies coming out about how bad it is to look at yourself all day on a video chat. <laughs> like, like we're telling people we, we added more and more meetings and more and more video. Yeah. Right. As opposed to halfway through the pandemic or even now starting to reevaluate okay we still are working from home for a few more months or whatever your case is but reevaluate talk to your employees to say do we really need to be on video for this meeting first of all do you even need the meeting yeah i I have found that you know um that however much time you give something that's how long it takes (laughs) so if you plan an hour meeting it's going to take an hour no matter what so i constantly ask myself do we need this meeting one Two, what can we do prior or on, pay, on paper, you know, via email? Like, I, I'm not going to just come on a meeting, Brent, and say, here's my report. Here's what we did. In fact, I could put that in an email and let you read it prior as yeah. prep work, showing that I'm a good leader prepping. Mm-hmm. Then you can come with any questions you have. We just saved ourselves 20 minutes. Yeah, like, These are the things people just are, I think companies aren't evaluating where they are. They swung so far to the video now, everyone's got to be on video, where with my team, I'm constantly talking to them about, you wanna do a walk and talk. Like if we do have to meet or if we do have to chat, let's get on the phone, let's get outside. I I can't sit at my desk all day, um, nor should we. Um, And so like, how are we evaluating what we're doing? Do people need time off? There's just a lot of things that I think the pandemic has shown us. I'm not sure that we've learned it all yet. Like this constant evaluation of what we do, we swing so far to a decision and then it's like, that's the standard. And that's what we're keeping forever.
0: Yeah. I, I I love what you're saying there. And, and what's interesting is that technology, you know, is, is really good at facilitating, um, uh, communication, right. Yeah. Interaction and also organizational agility, right. There's, 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 there's two things, right. And but the employee experience, and there are ways that technology definitely can support and facilitate the employee experience, right? Mm-hmm. But, there's, but there's all sorts of things about the employee experience that have nothing to do with technology. And also, you know, you can't look at, it's a multivariate thing. You can't look at, um, you can't think of an employee experience, well, that means work from home, Right. right keeping you know sort of the frontline workers out of the picture just just for the moment they're super important right but thinking about the, the your typical desk worker right there's it's not just work from home you know employee experience okay we got to give them all video to improve their employee experience. <laughs> Wait a minute, maybe that's not quite it. You know, I, I try to get out for exercise. Uh, most days, some days I just, there's no time. Uh, but, but I do try to get out there and do some sort of exercise. You need that kind of time away from the screen and all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
1: not- people, my, my PhD, my research is in work-life balance and use of mobile technology. I didn't see this coming during the pandemic. But when I when I do my talks, I tell people with your self care, find something you love to do, do it every day. But what I what I also say is make it movable, not removable on your schedule. So like I love to work out too, and I'm normally when you are you and I are talking at this moment, I'm usually done my workout. But this morning I couldn't, so I moved it from the morning to the afternoon. um, When I had when I made a time slot, it's always scheduled, but it's always movable. I never remove it.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as inspiration. I'm, I'm gonna get out there later <laughs> today and do my my run. <laughs> good, that's good. to hear. <laughs> hey, hey, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much, Chris.
1: Oh, I I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure we could go on for hours, Brent. I love it. Thanks well, for we'll
0: to, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Maybe we'll do another one sometime. Have a great awesome. one. Thank, Thank you. you so much, my friend. Sure. Thanks. Bye bye.